Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. The Rookie is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash the rookie. They were still down two scores, but the Kraken seemed suddenly energized. Antonabi had faced little pressure on the day. Hokor suddenly changed strategy, sending a blitz after the demolition quarterback on nearly every play. Antonabi managed one completion before Mayan Ikol sacked him on second down, and Virak the Mean got him on third for a 10-yard loss. The demolition's drive chewed up only three minutes. Richfield signaled fair catch on the punt. Kraken's ball on their own 41, 6 minutes, 52 seconds to play in the game. Quentin ran out onto the field, Hokor's one-eyed face in the heads-up display. Now they're watching out for you, Hokor said. This time, go exit 42 base drop play. We'll see if Fayette can finally make something happen. Quentin called the play and walked to the line. The defensive backs had moved to five-yard cushions instead of their one-yard bump and run. The linebackers had moved back as well. At the snap, Quentin held the ball to his ear, showing pass as he dropped back five steps. The defensive backs and the linebackers immediately backpedaled into pass coverage. At the end of his drop, Quentin suddenly handed the ball off to Fayed, who dashed into the line. He cut left into a big hole created by Kilo Yoet and Shoto Thicket. Warburg moved to block Yala the biter. Yala tucked his head and drove his right arm into Warburg, crushing the big tight end to the ground. Warburg barely slowed Yala at all, but it was enough for Faye to slip by, and suddenly the running back was in the defensive backfield. The D-backs converged on him and brought him down, but not before he'd picked up 23 yards and moved the ball to the demolition's 36. Six minutes, 28 seconds, and counting. Paul Pearson came in for Fayette at tailback. The Krakens huddled up, electricity and momentum filling the small space. The Krakens players looked tired, but their eyes blazed sharply and their intensity felt ubiquitous. His earpiece crackled. We need to score and score quick, Hokor said. Why set 42 post. Look for Pearson on the delayed route over the middle. We may catch y'all sleeping. Quentin called the play and surveyed the defense as the Krakens lined up. The demolition showed a normal 3-4, which left them with four defensive backs. Quentin's instincts told him to watch for the blitz, but Yala's feet looked flat. At the snap, Quentin dropped back. Haywick and Scarborough streaked downfield, then cut inside on an angle, drawing the free safety and safety with them. Pearson ran to the line acting like he would block, then released and sprinted down the field. Yala tried to cover him, but Pearson's superior speed carried him past. Quentin feathered a light toss that sailed just beyond Yala and hit Pearson in stride. Yala dove, covering 10 yards in the leap, and brought Pearson down from behind after a 22-yard gain. First and 10, ball in the demolition 14, 6 minutes, 2 seconds to play. Whistles blew as hurrah officials flew to Pearson, who rolled on the ground in obvious pain. 
the officials waved their mouth flaps madly to the Kraken sidelines. Before Doc arrived with his cart, Quentin saw Pearson roll to his back, his bloody hands clutching at his foot, which dangled sickly from only a scrap of skin and a few strands of bloody muscle. Yala's tackle had ripped the man's leg in half. Blood shot out of his ravaged skin, splashing on the white field, on Doc, and staining the Zeeb's black and white uniforms. Fayed came back in as Doc's med sled rushed Pearson off the field. Hi, one, said a wide-eyed Quentin. Did you see that? His whole leg almost came off. Give me the ball, Fayed said. Intensity narrowed his eyes to angry slits. I'll show that cheap-shotting motherless fool. Fortunately, Hokor had called a dive right, exactly what Fay had wanted. The team lined up. Quentin took the snap and pivoted. Fay had nearly ripped the ball out of his hands and drove forward like a tank. Yala the biter came at him, and the two hit head-on like a pair of rams. Yala fell backwards, and Fay had stumbled over him, falling for a five-yard gain. Fayad stood and tossed the ball to the ground in front of Yala, who was slow getting up. I'm here all day, Fayad shouted, thumping his fist against his chest. Just see if you can tear off my leg. Fayad walked back to the huddle. Quentin felt a wave of awe wash over him. Yala the biter had just crippled Paul Pearson, and on the very next play, Fayad not only carried the ball, but went headhunting for Yala. The play energized the entire team. If Fayette could show that kind of courage, so could everyone else. Another running play put the Krakens on the demolition's five-yard line. Asset double cross, Hokor barked. Quentin relayed the play to the Krakens' huddle. He felt the vibe of control now, the rhythm of the game coursing through him, answering to him, obeying his every whim. The huddle broke, and he strode to the line his predator's eyes sweeping over the defense. S-set was a single-back set. Fayette in the backfield, five offensive linemen, Haywick and Mesquitic split out left, Warburg in the right slot, and Scarborough wide right. It was the first time that day the Krakens had used such a setup, and the demolition scrambled to adjust. They quickly fell into woman-to-woman coverage with a linebacker wide on either side. That left four down linemen and a single middle linebacker Yala in the middle. Quentin knew what he wanted to do even before he snapped the ball. Red 91! Red 91! Hut hut! The receivers drove off the line and cut inside at six yards. Quentin dropped back as Fayed rolled to the right flat. Yala moved with him, and Quentin made his decision. After just a three-step drop, he planted and bounced forward, his 360 pounds hitting top speed almost instantly. The sudden change caught the onrushing defense off guard. He slipped past them without so much as a single cut. Yala was already moving to the right to cover Fayette. The linebacker dove back to his left, but was far too late to match Quentin's quickness. Quentin strode into the end zone untouched. Demolition 21, Krakens 16. Quentin started to run off the field when he saw Hokor signaling to him to stay. We're going for two. Hokor called over the earpiece. I set show left dive, naked boot right. Kobayashi blocks inside and releases to the right. Hit him for the conversion. Quentin nodded, but his mind raced with possibilities. 
a two-point conversion would pull them to within three points, one field goal away from tying. With the game on the line, Hoquar was calling a naked boot, which meant Quentin rolled to the right with no blockers. It was both an insult and a compliment. An insult, because the demolition still wouldn't think Hokor would put the game on a rookie's shoulders, and a compliment, because Hokor was putting the game on his shoulders. He felt palpable excitement in the huddle. All eyes looked to him, awaiting his words. There was victory in the air, and every being felt it. All they had to do was reach out and take it. Warburg and Kobayashi, the tight ends, were in the huddle, as was Perlis, the fullback. Scarborough and Mezquitic were back on the sidelines. It was a two-tight end set with a fullback, clearly a running formation. I set, show dive left, and Fayad make it count. Naked boot right. Kobayashi, block in and release deep. If I have to run, I don't want the guy covering you to be able to stop me from scoring. Got it? Kobayashi nodded, as did the other players. Ready? Break! The Krakens lined up. The demolition dug in. Quentin surveyed the defense and saw Yala drifting to the offense's right. Quentin's instincts screamed at him to call an audible, change the play to a dive left to take advantage of the cheating middle linebacker. Run the plays I call, Quentin heard in his mind. Hut hut! The ball slapped into his hands and he pivoted to the left. He put the ball in Fayed's stomach and turned with the running back, guiding him to the line. Just before Fayed crashed into the mass of bodies, Quentin pulled the ball out and pivoted hard to his right. He sprinted to the sidelines. The defense had bought the fake. All were converging on Fayed, all but Yalla the biter. The monstrous, pitch-black-eyed Quith Warrior linebacker went into a side roll, staying flat to the goal line as he matched Quentin's horizontal movement. Kobayashi bounced to the outside, but he was covered by the demolition cornerback. Quentin thought about the pass for one more second, then tucked the ball and sprinted for the corner of the end zone. Kobayashi instantly reacted to the situation, turning and blocking his defender, taking her out of the play. That left only Quentin and Yala the biter. Yala popped out of his roll and sprang forward, hitting Quentin at the two-yard line. You want to mess with me? Quentin thought as he switched the ball to his right hand and threw his left hand forward in a vicious, snarling uppercut. His fist slammed into Yala's chest, bounced up, and nailed the Quith Warrior right between the petty palps. Yala reached out and grabbed at Quentin's jersey as sharp teeth slashed at Quentin's left hand. Yala's full weight slammed into him. Quentin stumbled, but recovered and drove forward. His momentum pushed Yala backwards just a touch, but it was enough. They both started to fall. Quentin managed two more powerful strides on the way down and landed after the ball just crossed the goal line. Demolition 21, Kraken's 18. Flags flew. Unnecessary roughness on Yala the Biter to be assessed on the kickoff. The Kraken's offense ran off the field to the boos of the demolition faithful. Yala's bite had torn open the skin on the back of Quentin's left hand a bloody gash running from the knuckle on his index finger to the middle of his forearm. Blood poured from the wound, leaving an intermittent trail on the white playing field. Pine met him halfway, his cane doing a double time that barely kept up the pace. Quentin, you idiot, why didn't you audible out of that? I could see from here that Yala knew the play, and I know you saw it. 
I run the plays that are called, Quentin said as he jogged back to the bench, leaving the crippled pine behind him. Doc, Quentin shouted, oblivious to the shoulder pad and helmet slaps his appreciative teammates threw his way. Doc, get over here! The hurrah doctor glided over, his mouth flaps immediately grabbing Quentin's wrist in a surprisingly strong grip. Sit still, Doc said firmly. This is a deep cut. We've got to get you back to the locker room for the healing tank. Forget that! Quentin yanked his hand away. Blood flew in all directions. Teammates stopped what they were doing and stared at him, but he saw nothing except Doc, who was now no more than another obstacle trying to stop him from winning. You fix this up right now! Quentin's face twisted into a mask of challenge and fury. I gotta put another three on the board! You are out of the game, Doc yelled back. Quentin's eyes widened to giant white balls spotted with flecks of pure black. He suddenly rushed at Doc, grabbing his floating body, finding it surprisingly light. He started to shake Doc when Yitzhak and Yasud grabbed him, pulling him away. Jesus Christ, Quentin, stop it! Yitzhak shouted as he stepped between Quentin and Doc. Quentin ignored him, looking over Yitzhak's shoulder and shaking his blood-dripping finger at Doc. If you don't fix up my hand, I'll bounce you off the ground like a damn toy. You got that? I don't care if you have to cauterize it with a damn branding iron. Stop the bleeding. Doc hung there for a second, then reached into his bag and pulled out the now familiar blue strip. He wrapped it around Quentin's shredded skin. Yitzhak and Yasud let Quentin go, cautiously, as if he might snap at any second. Quentin hissed as the acid-like sting spread through his hand. Blood pulled up around the edges of the blue strip and dripped to the trampled white plants below. He looked down, seeing that his blood had stained his orange jersey with stripes and splotches of bright red. Doc held Quentin's hand tight as he removed the blood-soaked strip, now a deep purple, and applied another. Yitzhak leaned in to examine the extent of the injury. Hey, won't that put too many nanocytes in his body? Can't that cause liver damage? Shut up, Quentin growled at Yitzhak. And don't bother getting warmed up. I'm going back in. The second strip also turned purple with blood. Quentin felt as if his hand was being cooked from the inside out. It's not working, Doc said. The lacerations are too large, and you've got an arterial tear. The nanocytes can't bind it up. We need to put your hand in the healing tank, Quentin. The gel in the tank is programmed to hold your skin together long enough for the nanocytes to do their work. I don't have time for the damn tank! A string of spittle flew from Quentin's mouth to dangle from the bottom bar of his face mask. He looked up at the scoreboard. Three minutes, twelve seconds to play. The demolition with the ball, second and three on their own 32. As soon as the defense stopped them, the Krakens would have a chance to win the game. He wanted to be on that field, and he wanted to win. He quickly looked around the sidelines, searching for an answer. Then he saw Masal. Masal, get your box over here, now! The manager turned at the sound of Quentin's bellowing voice, quivering as if a quith leader had done the yelling. He scrambled to grab his box off the bench, then ran to Quentin. Get that thing you used to fix my jersey, Quentin said. Masal pulled out the gun players. Doc took one look at the device, then looked at the ugly stitch running up the front of Quentin's jersey. 
Absolutely not, Doc said. We will not use stitches on human flesh. Do it, Massal, Quentin said. Use that on him and I will have Greedock fire you, Doc said. I mean it, Massal. Massal started to put the gun pliers away. Quentin reached down with his right hand and grabbed the short quith worker by his left pedipalp. You use that thing on this, Quentin said, holding up his bloody left hand, or I will kill you, cook you, and eat you. Massal quivered like a tuning fork. He reached out and gently pinched together the skin on both sides of the cut. Yasud moved in and wrapped his arms around Quentin's left arm, holding it still. Quentin felt key arms snake around his chest, their strength holding him immobile. He looked over his shoulder, and Kilo Yoet's black eye stared at him, only inches from his own. Massal looked up, the obvious question burning in his one eye. Do it, Quentin said through clenched teeth. Massal pulled the trigger. Quentin's eyes grew wider still as a new level of pain seared through his arm. He tried to pull back, but Yasud and Kilo Yoet held him still. Massal slid the gun pliers up the cut in a smooth stroke, and it was over. Quentin stared at it. The edges of the skin pursed out a quarter inch from his arm, smeared with blood and roughly stitched together with Kevlar thread, like the seam of his jersey. Echoes of the needle and thread pain ripped through his arm, but through that he still felt the burning of the nanocytes. That burning intensified on the stitch itself. The tiny machines were trying to do their job. That's going to leave a horrible scar, Doc said angrily. And it's not going to heal the arterial tear. You've got ten minutes, tops, before you pass out. Quentin heard boos from the crowd. He looked up at the scoreboard, his heart leaping when he saw the magic words, fourth down, six to go, ball on the demolitions 44. The clock ticked down. One minute, 12 seconds. One minute, 11 seconds. One minute, 10 seconds. Barnes, get your lazy butt up here! Hokor's voice said in his helmet. Quentin ran to his coach and knelt. Hokor stared at him, and Quentin saw his own reflection in Hokor's big eye. Jersey torn and stitched up the chest, making the left side of his number 10 slightly higher than the right. The orange fabric, stained bright red with blood. His arm, a bloody mess with an ugly black-threaded stitch running from his hand to his elbow. You sure you can make it? Quentin nodded and smiled. Just give me the ball, coach. Hokor's pedipalps reached out, each one lightly touching Quentin's shoulder pads. We pulled a lot of new strategies on them this quarter, so they'll be ready for anything. But at the same time, they won't focus on any one area. We're going to spread it out so you'll have room to move. If you're in doubt, tuck it and run. But no more head-to-head battles. I can't have you getting hurt. When you run, you slide before they tackle you. You got it? Quentin nodded quickly. Hokor called the first play. The demolition punt sailed through the air. Richfield signaled a fair catch at the Kraken 17-yard line. Quentin looked at the clock, then nodded again, to himself this time. He had his work cut out for him. He needed to go 83 yards in 56 seconds. The Kraken's offense ran onto the field. In the huddle, the players seemed different, staring at him with near reverence. Quentin noticed that blood streaked all of the key linemen's jerseys. Red blood. But key blood was black. It took him a second to realize that Kiloyoet had rubbed blood 
Quentin's blood on each jersey. The pain in his arm faded away as a new dose of adrenaline pumped through his veins. We're going to get back in the hunt for Tier 1 right now. We've got 56 seconds to put these motherless losers away. A field goal ties it, but I want to win. X set, 21 base. All routes break off at 20 yards. Quentin reached up and grabbed Haywick's face mask. But when he spoke, it was to another receiver. Scarborough, Quentin said, his eyes still locked on Haywick. Their nickelback will be on you. She can't handle your speed. Scarborough quivered once, then stopped and stood stock still. You sprint downfield on a post, and when I throw you the ball, you damn well better catch it. Let's step on their throats right now and put this one away. Ready? Break! The crowd roared as Quentin's team stepped to the line. He moved up with a step left, a half bounce left, a step right, a half bounce right. He stood behind Budoschweck, his hands tapping out a quick left-right-left bada-bap on the key's carapace. As he suspected, the defense moved to Keon Haywick. The ball snapped into his hands, and he dropped back five long steps. He planted, left knee bent deep, and slid two yards across the oily white surface before his cleats caught and he bounced forward a half step. Standing tall at the six-yard line, he locked his eyes on Haywick. She drove downfield and suddenly broke off at the 37, cutting back on a hook route. The motion was enough to freeze the safety, only for a moment, but in that moment, Scarborough turned on the afterburners. Wait for it, Quentin thought as the pocket started to collapse around him. She sprinted past the 40, the 50. Wait for it. She sprinted past the 40, the 30. Kilo Yoet lost his fit on his defender and fell to the ground. The defender's body gathered for a vicious blow even as he ran forward, multi-jointed limbs reaching out like those of a hungry, long-armed spider. Quentin reared back and launched the ball just before the defensive lineman extended and smashed into him at full force. Quentin was knocked 10 yards to the right, the wind woofing out of his lungs. He hit and rolled. The ball was in the air so long, he actually stumbled to his feet before it finished its long parabola. Scarborough leapt into the air, the safety a good three feet behind her. At the 12-yard line, 81 yards from where he had released it, the ball landed in Scarborough's tentacles. Her feet touched down at the seven-yard line, and she strolled into the end zone standing up. Kraken's 25, Demolition 21. Quentin stumbled off the field, his mind still fuzzy from the devastating hit he'd taken just after releasing the ball. Ariok Morningstar added the extra point to put the Krakens up by five. The hit had also opened up the cut on the back of Quentin's hand, although most of the gash remained sutured shut. From there on, things were a bit of a blur. Someone guided him to a med sled and sat him down on the back edge. The med sled moved down the sidelines and into the tunnel. The crowd seemed a massive blur of colors and shapes and sounds. The med sled cruised into the visitor's locker room. Quentin had an impression of someone, or something, helping him off the sled before his legs gave out and everything went black.
In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. On a remote island in frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. For League Roundup, courtesy of Galaxy Sports Network. With a thrilling 28-24 win over the Glory Warpigs, 3-1, the Witch Hunt Pioneers, 4-0, took sole possession of first place in the Quitha Radiated Conference. Rookie quarterback Quentin Barnes kept the INF Krakens, 2-2, in the playoff hunt with an 83-yard touchdown pass to Scarborough, giving the Krakens a 25-21 win over the winless Sky Demolition, 0-4. The Grontac Hydras, 2-2, two two, edged out a 35-31 win over the Big Diggers, 1-3. The Orbiting Death, 3-1, is only one game out of first thanks to a 28-7 drubbing of the Quith Survivors, 1-3. The Sheb Stalkers, 3-1, shut out the Woo Wall Crawlers, 1-3, 17-0. Deaths. No deaths to report this week. Week 4 Players of the Week. Offense. Condor Adrian, quarterback, Whitalk Pioneers. 31 of 42 for 334 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Defense. Arkham, cornerback, big diggers. Six tackles, one sack, three interceptions, including one return for a touchdown, her second of the year. Game five. Sheb Stalkers, 3-1, at Ionath Krakens, 2-2. Quith irradiated conference standings. In first place, the Wittok Pioneers, 4-0. Tied for second place with records of 3-1, the Glory Warpigs, the Orbiting Death, and the Sheb Stalkers. Tied for fifth place with records of 2-2, the Grontak Hydras, and the Ionath Krakens. Tied for seventh place with records of 1-3, the Big Diggers, the Quith Survivors, the Woo Wall Crawlers, and in last place with a record of 0-4, the Sky Demolition. Quentin walked slowly from his locker to the central meeting room and to Hokor's office. Two days of rest hadn't completely removed the pulsing, dull nova ache that lived inside his skull. Concussion-proof helmets. Right. He'd notched his first GFL win as a starter, but he had paid a price. 
The concussion had him puking his guts out the rest of the night and well into the next day, even though there was nothing left to puke. And with each stomach-clenching burst, his breath locked up and his muscles tightened. When he finally breathed and the muscles relaxed, the sudden rush of blood to his brain elevated his omnipresent headache to new levels. While his teammates celebrated the win, Quentin spent the rest of that night in bed, which was where he spent the next day and most of the day after that. He had tried to get up and run through VR practice, but Hokor himself had come to his room, told him to stay put on Doc's orders. Now, two days later, he didn't feel one ounce better. But pain or no pain, he wasn't going to miss one single rep of actual practice. He wasn't going to let his teammates down, not when this week's game put them against the 3-1 Sheb Stalkers. Quentin walked through the door to Hokor's office. You wanted to see? He ended his sentence when he saw Pine in the room, fully dressed for practice. Come in, Barnes, Hokor said. Shut the door. Quentin did as he was told, a double-sick feeling growing in the pit of his stomach. Double-sick, once because he couldn't stand to look at Pine the tanker, and once because he instantly knew the reason for this closed-door meeting. Barnes, you did an amazing job last week. You put us back on the board. If we can beat the Sheb Stalkers this week, we are three and two and back in the running. Quentin nodded slightly. You generated a lot of respect, Hokor said. The team is now confident in your abilities. There's a new feeling in the locker room that we have a guy who can come off the bench and play big-time ball. Come off the bench, Quentin said quietly. The bench, Hokor echoed. Pine is our starter, and he's healthy. Quentin breathed deeply through his nose. That tanker was starting again. I just wanted to let you know in person, Hokor said. I know your goal is to start, and I wouldn't want it any other way. You're the future of this franchise, but right now, it's Pine's team. You understand? Just run the plays that are called. The throbbing in his head suddenly kicked up a few notches. Yeah, sure, Quentin said. I understand. Can I go now? Hokor nodded. Quentin turned. He meant to just tap the door open button, but his fist hit it so hard the red plastic plate cracked. The door hissed open, and Quentin walked out into the meeting room. Forget this team. They can all go straight to hell. Quentin stormed out of the locker room and through the tunnel. He had just about reached the field when a hand grabbed his shoulder and gently stopped him. Quentin turned violently, eyes wide nostrils flaring, and looked into the surprised eyes of Donald Pine. Hey, kid, take it easy, Pine said with a smile. Just try to relax a little. Screw you, Quentin said, pushing Pine's chest to emphasize the last word. Pine stumbled back a bit. His tone changed and his smile faded away. Why don't you just simmer down? I know you're pissed. I would be too, but you gotta play your role on this team. And what's my role? Just what exactly is my role? Sit on the bench? If you have to, yes. Pine's expression had faded from smile to blankness. Now it twisted into a mask of frustrated anger. Sit on a damn bench, Quentin, and pay your dues. I know you think you're hot stuff, but I've about had it with your attitude that you're better than me. I've tried to help you, you stubborn moron, but you better pull your head out. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that's right. You're going to be great, but right now, you are not as good as me. 
Just relax. Learn the system till your time comes. And when will that come? The next time you throw a game for Mopook? Pine blinked rapidly, and his breath stopped short, as if a knife had slid noiselessly into his heart. He took a small step back, then looked to his right and left, seeing if anyone had heard. The two quarterbacks were alone on the field. I don't know what you're talking about, Pine said. Your party friends paid me a visit the day before the demolition game. Mopook said you were his property, Pine, that you throw games whenever he wants. Pine looked down, and in that instant, Quentin knew it was true. He felt a part of his childhood die right there on the spot. The man he had idolized was a tanker. Why? Quentin asked. Why the hell did you do it? Because he'll kill me if I don't. I, I gamble a bit. I've gotten in over my head. Quentin spat on the ground, then looked into Pine's shame-filled eyes. How much do you owe? Pine looked away and shrugged. Quentin grabbed him by the shoulder pads, shook once, and pulled Pine close until their eyes were only inches apart. How much? Pine paused, then answered. Four million. Four million? The number seemed staggering, but then Quentin remembered that a tier two quarterback of Pine's caliber made three or four million a year. On top of that, he had the endorsement deals that put his picture on almost as many ads as Itzhak. So why don't you pay it? You've got that much, don't you? Pine slowly shook his head. Already went through everything I got. Savings, my salary. I'm still four mil in the hole. How long has this been going on? Pine looked away again. Quentin gave him a quick, single shake. Pine looked at his feet. Since 79. Quentin's eyes widened as he did the math. Since 79? You've been tanking for four years? I bet a lot of money in a 77 semifinal game with the Toe Pirates, Pine said. That put me in the hole. I've been working my way out ever since, and I'm almost out. Four mil in the hole, and you think you're almost out? I just need to win a couple of bets, that's all, and then I'll be out. Quentin pushed him away. The two men stood in silence. You going to tell Hokor? Quentin thought for a moment, then shook his head. Why not? That will give you the starting position. He met this comment with a shrug. Pine was right, but Quentin didn't want to win it that way. He wanted to earn it. The first players started to filter out of the tunnel for practice. Don't do it again, Quentin said quietly. You do, and I'll take you down. Pine looked at him with the eyes of a haunted man, a man hunted from all directions for far too long. You'll take me down if I don't do what you want? Hey, welcome to the club. Pine walked to the sidelines. Quentin stormed to a ball rack on the 30-yard line, anger and frustration whipping through his head. Without saying a word to them, Denver, Milford, and Richfield lined up, waiting for Quentin to call out patterns. Deep, he said, the word coming out as a bark. Denver shot down the field. Quentin dropped back to the 20, then threw the ball with a grunt. He had put all of his strength into the throw. It sailed so far past Denver, she didn't even bother jumping. The ball arced through the air, 
sailing past the end zone, past the grass at the back of the end zone, and bounced off the empty seats 20 rows up. Dang, Quentin said. He grabbed the next one, oblivious to the fact that he had just thrown the ball over 100 yards in the air. time for sports headlines all galaxy quality content taken from the pages of the INS city gazette headline pine leads krakens to second straight win by kiggin the witty INS city associated press you can't keep a good veteran down at least that's what INF fans are thinking following a 21-7 krakens win over the sheb stalkers a win that might as well be named the donald pine show Pine missed two games with a broken femur, but showed that the time off didn't affect him in the least. He went 21 for 34 on the day, throwing for 312 yards with two touchdowns and no interceptions. The Stalkers, 3-2, came into the game with only one loss and were favored by nine points, but couldn't find an answer for Pine's accurate short-passing game. Quote, We did everything we could, said Stalkers middle linebacker Brian Badrock. If we blitzed, he hit us short. If we didn't blitz, he hit us long. It was a really long, frustrating day. End quote. The Kraken's offensive line, which has given up eight sacks in the last two games, offered Pine laser-proof protection the entire game. It was the first time the Krakens didn't give up a sack since week one. Quote, anyone could have thrown well with that much time, Pine said after the game. All the credit goes to the offensive line. They are true warriors. End quote. Following Ionath's come-from-behind win over Sky Demolition in Week 4, many Krakens fans saw a potential quarterback controversy between Pine and rookie Quentin Barnes. Pine, however, put those thoughts to rest with his flawless performance against the Stalkers. The Krakens' defense was a key factor in the win, holding the Stalkers to just 68 yards rushing while snagging four turnovers. Alexander Michnik notched three sacks, and Berea grabbed two interceptions. This has been Sports Headlines, taken straight from the pages of the INS City Gazette, brought to you by Junkie Gin. Junkie Gin tastes like a touchdown every time. League Roundup, courtesy of Galaxy Sports Network. The big story this week is the Wittock Pioneers' 24-21 loss at the hands of the orbiting death, who are 4-1. The death's win puts them in a three-way tie for first with the Pioneers, 4-1, and the Glory Warpigs, 4-1, who put another mark in the win column with an easy 42-17 drubbing of the Sky Demolition, 0-5. The Pioneers' loss is even more devastating, considering the injury to league-leading quarterback Condor Adrian, who suffered severe damage to his right elbow. Adrian is out for three to four weeks. The Big Diggers, two and three, defeated the Wool Wall Crawlers, one and four, by a score of 22 to six. The Quiz Survivors, two and three, edged out the Grontac Hydras, two and three, in a 23-20 overtime thriller. Yes! Chicago, wide receiver for the Sky Demolition, was killed on a gang tackle involving Glory War Pigs defensive back Kelly Wang and Wellington. League officials ruled it a clean hit. Week five players of the week. Offense, 
Donald Pine, quarterback, INF Krakens. 21 of 34 for 312 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Defense, Sven Dropner, linebacker, Quiz Survivors. 16 tackles, one interception, and one forced fumble. You have been listening to The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League Series. Produced by Ariok Morningstar, with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Super Weapon. Superweaponband.com. You're trying to say I'm putting the air The kids are coming for you Nothing you can do Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.